Sunday Best by Surfaces, and we have to know that Dustin Johnson is in his Sunday Best. But we'll get to that. This is High Handicappers, Episode 3, Masters Recap. Made by average golfers, but for all golfers. Uh, in our previous episode, we had a couple guest pickers in my buddies Joe and Caleb. I'm excited to announce that uh, they're here with me as co-host. I'll turn the mic over to them. Everybody, how you doing? Caleb here, coming in with a solid 12.8 handicap. Happy to be here, everybody. Joe here, and uh, don't have a, a real uh, solid number on the handicap yet, but probably up in the uh, the, the mid-20 range. Yeah, and as this is high handicappers, it's only fitting that we call out our handicap. Uh, I am typically somewhere around a 10. With that being said... I think it's an unwritten rule that for every child you have, you get an extra five per, right? So I'm at, I'm at two now, so I think I should play somewhere around a 20. I don't know how you all feel about that. <laughs> I mean, that's why mine's so high. Yeah. yeah. Three. Yeah. <laughs> I need to have another kid, I think, just to help us out. Yep. Well, with that, let's get into the round recap. So round one... Obviously started a little bit rocky uh, with the weather. It was They sent out, I think it was five groups uh, that all played at least a couple shots. I think a couple of them played an entire hole uh, before there was a delay. I think there were rumors, at least on Twitter, that there was thunder that was actually happening when those guys were already out there on the course yeah i'm not sure what they could have done differently about that i'm not sure like what do you all think yeah i mean i i think i'm surprised they let that many guys go play a hole you know when this is i mean it's the masters i mean it's everything is, is you know planned out and prepared and as possible when they've got you know, all the technology at their fingertips. I kind of felt bad for the guys. I went and played a hole before everybody else. But, you know, I mean, I don't know if there's anybody to blame there. It's just kind of, yeah, I, I, you know, I was ready. I was ready to see everybody out there playing. So, yeah, I didn't hear a whole lot about it afterwards. I think the initial thought was like, oh, we're going to see a lot of plugged golf balls. We're going to see a lot of mud on mm -hmm. those balls. It's going to affect a lot of shots, that sort of thing. I didn't hear a ton like coming out of round one. And, and I mean, I think we all got a handful of texts that when play resumed, it was like, wow, it's really sunny out. And what happened? Uh, but yeah, I was a little surprised that they sent those guys out in general uh, and didn't say, hey, let's wait a few minutes and let's like not be afraid to just say, hey, everybody go out, you know, when the weather's a little bit better. But yeah. I think they live and they learn. They were a little worried about daylight, but we figured it out in the end. At the end of round one, uh, you had DJ, Dylan Fratelli, Paul Casey, all shot uh, 65, 7 under. And then you had, of course, Sungjae, M, and JT in with a 66. So that kind of rounds out 
uh, your top five there. Um, uh, yeah, I think we all heard that like conditions were obviously really soft. That was a little different than maybe what we've seen in the past. Any big takeaways from round one or, you know, that kind of first round leaderboard? I mean, I think like everybody else that's a golf fan in America, I was just excited to see the Masters on TV. Now, I also grew up hearing my dad always say, son, you know, the Masters doesn't start until the back nine on Sunday. So I always kind of, you know, I kind of watch our first couple rounds with a little bit of a grain of salt, right? I mean, it's, it's you, you know, you can't really win the Masters on Thursday, right? But you can lose it. And so, yeah, I was, you know, I was interested to see who was kind of, kind of going to be up there at the end of day one and see where they were going to go next. Yeah, I think the, I mean, I think the conditions were definitely interesting and I think there were some grumblings at, at times. I know I caught a couple shots of, of Bubba complaining about some mud on the ball. <laughs> Which and, he does that typically. So <laughs> Yeah, to be expected. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but other than that, I mean, you didn't get a lot of movement once they were on the green, a lot of... Uh, you know, I feel bad for the greenskeepers just with all those, all those ball marks on the greens, just <laughs> just balls going splat. So, yeah, I mean, here's the thing, and I'm not here to talk about any of these guys in a poor manner, but like you look at a first page of the leaderboard after round one of a major. I think like Caleb talked about it here, but like it's expected that a handful of these guys will be nowhere near the front page of the leaderboard. Absolutely. Come Sunday. Yeah. Right. And I think we saw that a little bit. I mean, there were a couple of these guys that kind of stuck around, um, you know, with DJ Sungjae and, and JT. Um, but we'll get to Paul Casey, but our, our guy really made his first mistake with his wardrobe choices. And I think that that ultimately sent him down the leaderboard more than his golf game. But <laughs> There's not, there's not a lot we can do about that. Yeah. So jumping into round two, this is when uh, really everybody started to get a little bit more bunched up, right? And you had a handful of those guys in round one that ended up having to play a little bit more on Friday, right, to finish mm-hmm. up. But for at the end of round two, you are looking at five guys uh, tied at nine under. So you've got Abe Answer, uh, dark horse pick uh, by me, shout out. Uh, Cameron Smith, Justin Thomas, DJ, Rom, and then Cantley and Sunjay M at eight under. So you've got a lot of guys at the top there. Um, and, you know, I know a handful of those guys actually still had to come back and finish a little bit on Saturday morning, too, before uh, the cut was actually made. But any big takeaways coming out of round two? I think so, some of that was like. I was really intrigued to see who is just gonna maybe continue, like who's gonna kind of rise up, you know. And specifically, I guess guys like Abe Answer, who you know we've heard that name, we've seen him a bunch, you know. If he was gonna kind of continue to, to to go low, same thing with with Cameron, you know. These guys that you're just interested interested to see, you know, are these gonna these guys are going to still be in the mix and try to, you know, be there on Sunday. So, yeah, I don't remember exactly who they said on the broadcast, but it was one of the caddies that after round two said, I didn't even look at my yardage book halfway through the round because the course was playing so different mm-hmm. from what it usually plays, yeah. which I thought was pretty telling. 
And I mean, you look at like the PGA Tour week in and week out, and you see you see this exact leaderboard bunched up, right? Like you see a lot of guys within a handful of shots. I think at the end of round two, you had 22 guys within four shots of the lead. And I think Caleb's exactly right. We we were like, okay, who's going to rise above all of these other guys, right? Like who's going to continue this consistent play when they push up the course conditions on Saturday and Sunday? Yeah. So that takes us to round three. Um, so round three, obviously uh, Saturday – what was interesting about this is you still had a handful of those guys finishing Saturday morning that created the cut line. Uh, and then you had, I think Tiger even said himself, he finished at like 9.15 and then they said, hey, you're going out in 30 minutes. And so he had, he had you know, 30 minutes to get ready on the range. I think Rory talked about it in his interview as well. Um, but I, I think there's... There's a little bit of that that's probably really tough that we have no idea how that really works out. But, like, yeah. in any other sport, imagine pausing a really important game and having to come back and play more of that game the next day. And the and what's different about golf, of course, is that the actual conditions of the course are going to be different. So Tiger talked about that a little bit on Friday going into Saturday. You know, he started on 11 on Saturday morning. 11, 12, and 13, uh, obviously really important holes in your round at Augusta National. And the rough was higher. He said the rough was higher. They mowed the greens overnight, and so they were faster already. And so automatically those guys are really feeling like they're playing two very different course conditions in their quote-unquote same round. But with that being said, we saw a lot of transition in round three in general. We saw... DJ really say, hey, I'm here no matter what the course conditions are. He finished round three at 16 under. And then you had a handful of guys at 12 under. Abe Answer, Sung Jay, Cameron Smith, and then Dylan Fratelli at 11 under and JT at 10 under. Yeah, I mean, I think playing, you know, picking up like that is is definitely going to be going to hurt somebody, especially with a body like Tigers, who's just kind of like on the fragile spectrum as it yeah. is. You know, he's he's, uh, you know, kind of playing on borrowed time at, at times. And and for him to have to, you know, take 30 minutes and get back out there again, it's 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 pretty rough. I mean, he said he woke up at three forty five a.m. on Saturday to, you know, get his body ready is kind of his quote. And no one's surprised to hear that is a thing. Yeah. And like some of my thoughts at this point are, you know, I think you, you the rubber's starting to meet the road a little bit here. Where like if I see DJ in a place like this, like if he's hitting it that good, then, you know, I kind of expect him to keep rolling. Yeah. DJ's the kind of guy where I feel like he's either there or he's not. And at this point in Augusta, he's there. And I... You know, I think the, the not having patrons and fans and everything, I think it has an effect on things. But DJ is obviously used to playing in front of everybody, right? But I'm also interested in things like this. Is like, okay, is JT going to make a move? You know, does Fratelli, does he have the stones to keep going? Um, you, know, you know, things like that. Abe answer, is he going to rise up? But at, at this point, you know, I think we've got some guys here in the mix that are that are going to keep on doing what they're doing so far yeah and i think like just watching 
the field, watching DJ and watching the fields, just like everybody's body language by the end of round three, everybody's just looking to try and catch up. There's a lot more concern on everyone's face. You can just tell that they're, you know, starting to feel it, starting to feel like they have to do something, whereas DJ's just out there having fun. Yeah. You know, I think a major golf tournament is very similar to like, you know, a Le Mans type race, right? Where like there's only so many cars at the end that are going to be part of that final group that has a shot because there's only so many of those guys who have been in this situation before. That's right. Uh, again, I think we kind of go back to that like first round, second round leaderboard of like, okay, for better or for worse, we're going to see a couple of these guys fall off. Like just because they haven't been here, they don't have that experience. Yeah. Um, who I was really disappointed in in round three was John Rahm. I think we talked about him a little bit, you know, on previous podcasts. And, I mean, he has all the makings of being a major championship winning player. And we just haven't seen him play well on the weekend. You know, he took, a, I think it was a double bogey on eight. Uh, and he was, I believe, paired with DJ in round three. His second shot on a, you know, eight's uphill par five, right? Uh, He hits his drive, middle of the fairway, takes out a fairway wood, and basically tops it into the left trees, right? Finds it, and then hits his third shot off of the tree back into the bushes. And then takes a drop, punches it onto the green in two putts. I think at that point, the announcer said that that was his third or fourth seven that he's carded in major championships which is you just cannot do that i mean you cannot do it you can't make it up you you have a double bogey on one of the easier holes on the course you're not going to be able to make that up no matter how many holes are left and i think not only that but i think that kind of rattled rom there and i going into the weekend, I was like, okay, you know, the obvious characters of Rom and JT are going to be our guys that are going to be able to give DJ a run for his money. Yep. And we just didn't see either one of them really step on the gas pedal. So we roll into round four. Uh, DJ has a four-shot lead, right? Um, and the rest is history. I mean, I had a couple friends text me and say, hey, who do you think has a chance to make a run? And I said, honestly, nobody. Um, I think, you know, JT was, what, five shots off the lead. No, six shots off the lead, I think. Um, And that was maybe the only guy that we've seen fire at pins on a major championship Sunday, make a lot of putts in pressure situations. And, and I mean, trust me, I would have loved if, you know, my dark horse, Abe Anser, or, you know, Cameron Smith would have been able to kind of get it done. But I just haven't seen them do that yet. (laughs) And so here we are. Sunday night, after the Masters, DJ's our champion. He wins by five. Of course, Cameron Smith, Sung JM come in second, tied for second, 15 under. JT uh, in fourth at 12 under. And then Rory and Dylan Fratelli at 11 under. Any final thoughts coming out of round four? Yeah, I mean, I think for me... Like I, I had no expectations of of DJ blowing it there, you know. But I was more so interested to see. Like my thoughts going into it were, okay, is somebody else gonna try to make a run here? 
Like, is somebody going to get within, you know, a stroke or two to really try to push him? And that's kind of what I was waiting on. And it, it kind of, obviously, as you get down the stretch, it, it just didn't really happen. And DJ kind of just kept hitting it where he was supposed to and, you know, and, and broke some records. Yeah, I think, I mean, you're just waiting on someone to make it interesting. Not that it's, you know, not interesting or exciting and that not that you're not happy for DJ and things like that, but you just want something to happen. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I was happy. I mean, I was happy for DJ. I think he's the kind of guy that needs a green jacket, and now he's got it. But for, you know, spectators like us, I was also thinking, let's get a little bit of something going here. You know, if a guy like... You know, if a guy like Cameron Smith were to, you know, make a few birdies in a row and, and get up there really close, kind of what does that do? And um, I still think there could be a little bit of an element of having fans there or not for a guy like Cameron, but we'll never know. And hats off to DJ. He got himself a green jacket. Well-deserved. Yeah, we'll get into it towards the end, but, I mean, DJ led in a lot of the major statistical categories that were really important, and that's always a recipe for success. I think Sungjae got within two after hole two. Might have been hole three. Yeah. Right, because DJ, on the par five second, DJ hit his second shot down in front of the bunker and then actually hit his third shot into the bunker. Uh, I forgot about that. That's right. I think he was like trying to be a little aggressive with it Mm -hmm. and he actually hit it into the bunker. He had a really nice recovery shot out of the bunker and ended up parring the hole. But I think Sanjay birdied and then got within two at that point. I think that was the closest it got. I think him and, and, uh, Cameron Smith were, uh, got within three multiple Mm -hmm. different times on the back. But that was as close as it got. And, I, I mean, shout out DJ. He just went out there and took it, right? He was yep. like, he, he played the best out of everybody, and that's exactly what we want out of a major championship. I'm looking at DJ's last seven starts on the PGA Tour. He went PGA Championship, tied for second, Northern Trust, winner, BMW Championship, second, solo second, Tour Championship, winner, U.S. Open, Tied for sixth, Houston Open, tied for second, Masters win. So he's won three of his last seven tournaments, and he's finished second in three of his last seven tournaments. I mean, kind of shame on us for not picking it. I was just thinking. (laughs) I mean, Uh, he's the number one player in the world for a reason. That's right. Yeah, if if you didn't see it coming, you weren't paying attention type thing. And apparently none of us were paying attention. (laughs) I guess you're right. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, he just played really well. And, you know, he even said, which I was surprised by this in his post round interview, he said, I was nervous. I felt it all day. He was like, I was a little bit shaken, you know, by the entire scenario. But man, I mean, you talk about a guy who just never shows that he's nervous. Oh yeah, I mean, just cool as cool as the other side of the pillow the entire the entire round the entire entire weekend really. Yeah, and like I sometimes like I want to see more from him, you know, like and at the same time like part of me is like I kind of envy that it's like mm-hmm. good, bad, and different. He is the same dude. Yeah. Period. Yeah, I mean, while we're talking about it, you know, his 
post round interview with Amanda Balionis, he couldn't. He answered the first question, and then he just couldn't gather his thoughts. He just like cut he, away. But what's funny about it is, and, and I mean this in the nicest of ways, is that DJ's upset face looks just like DJ's serious <laughs> face. And, like, I couldn't really tell if he was really sad or just, like, the moment was too big or maybe, like, and not sad, that's the wrong word, but, like, excited, you know, with tears. Yeah. Or he was just like, wow, I don't really know how to feel about this because I haven't really been in this situation. I mean, the guys led four other majors after 54 holes, right? So he's been, he's gone into a major championship Sunday leading four other times and he's Mm -hmm. lost those four times. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, he had a, what was it, a five-shot lead, four-shot lead going into Sunday. Might have felt a little bit different, but you could still tell by the interview and by, you know, the way that he talked about it, he was very emotional about it. Yeah, I I mean, obviously none of us know what that feels like in that setting on that stage. And my wife made fun of me because I was almost getting emotional like watching (laughs) him. And, And it's like... You can kind of, there's so much underneath all that, so much that leads to that, so much, you know, so much work and, and, and everything that has to happen for, you know, there's there's some of the best golfers ever that don't get to do that, but he was at the place where he got to do that today, and that's pretty unbelievable. No, get, good on him. I mean, again, I think he deserves it. He's played incredibly well this year. You know, I, re- I read a stat that he, you know, what was it, six months ago, he withdrew from a tournament because he went 80, 80, 78. And <laughs> he was like, no, I'm out, right? Uh, like, I have to go figure this out. And then, you know, he's gone on this run. And so I think more than anything, that tells me, like, hey, even guys that are the best in the world struggle at this game beyond belief and cannot figure it out. And I think an 80 to DJ is probably like, a hundred to us absolutely i mean like it's like a score that you walk off the golf course and you're like what is happening do i have the yips am i like do i need to throw my clubs away and never play this game again but let's let's kind of jump into a couple of the other guys that were uh maybe shockers or guys that we expected to play well and and just didn't let's start with with cameron smith i mean cameron smith is just what a vibey guy yeah I love it. I, oh, yeah. I love it. I really like Cameron Smith. What's not to like, right? I mean, and while we're on the topic, the guy putted his face off. <laughs> Do we know how many one putts he had? No. Sorry. He we'll, had a ton of them. We can definitely look it up. Yeah, I mean, what's not to like about the guy? I mean, and when you do your research, he's not like a household name, but he's here. You yeah. know, in what was it? Was it 18 he came in top five? Yep. Okay. Yep. So he came, he's a he's an Aussie dude, mm-hmm. but got his card through the Asian tour, I believe. Mm-hmm. Which, yep. you know, good on him for, for, for that. But he was fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. And it's good to see my guy Otto from Happy Gilmore still getting work as a caddy. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know, still reading greens wrong because he's only got one shoe. But that's that's great. That's all right. It didn't it didn't affect him this time around. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, what was it? Cameron's been the Masters five times. He has, or this was his fifth appearance. He's yep. made the cut all five times. He's just a guy that is just a Masters gamer. Like, he just loves, it feels like he loves the Masters. And he's like, I really like this golf course. I really want to play well here. Mm-hmm. And he just does it. Yeah, yeah, tons of fun. 
we could spend an entire podcast talking about this next guy, but let's talk about Bryson for a little bit. Uh, what were our big takeaways about Bryson this weekend or this week? I mean, I think after I just watched it, you know, he teed off from 10 on round one and that first hole, you know, I think coming in onto the green, he was, he was maybe like 152 yards out. He hit a pitching wedge to about four feet and then just dunked it in there. And it was just, it just felt like game over. You felt like, okay, all this stuff he's been talking about, he's going to do it. And then on 11, he just hooks it off the planet. And then it was just downhill from there. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not the biggest Bryson fan at all. But when a guy plays good, you know, you tip your cap. But he, he like, yeah, like I'm not upset that Bryson didn't win this Masters at all, okay? And, like, I, I think, like, I, yeah, it's one of those things that I think, like, you know, later in the in the weekend, he looked defeated to me. Like, he, his demeanor was just kind of, he was he was out there, and, and it, you know, it is what it is. I think he'll go back to the drawing board, I'm sure, and, and uh, do some science experiments and swing harder and... <laughs> I mean, you All wanna, the things. I don't you want to talk about body language, though. Like Seriously, after that dude. second hole, you know, when you're a kid and you're trying not to cry in front of your friends and you're taking those deep, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're breathing deep, like you're trying not to. Go. I mean, you look like that for the rest of the week. He maybe should have broke a club. Yeah, yeah. like I it would have. It maybe would have something. Been. Get some like type of catharsis going. <laughs> I tried to pull some people on Twitter to figure out when the last time a Vegas favorite missed the cut at a major. The only answer I got back was Greg Norman in 1990. So we're talking about 30 years ago and I'm, I'm not sure of the legitimacy of that answer, by the way, <laughs> but if that's, I, I mean, we saw Bryce and he struggled to make the cut. Right. And I actually think it helped him to split up the round because he was playing so poorly in round two. Agreed. Totally. Lost it to daylight. Yep. Right. Came back. And then I think he played the rest of the round pretty well and well enough to make the cut by, I think, a shot. I think he finished one under after round two, made it by one. And he ended up finishing tied for 34. It is not at all what we expected out of Bryson in this championship. Like, I think we expected an easy top 10 or, you know, at least being competitive somewhere along the way. But he didn't look like he ever had it. I mean, this is just my take. Playing golf is really stressful. Playing golf while you're thinking about a lot of numbers and metrics throughout the round, along with kind of the normal yardage and wind directions and Mm -hmm. greens and that sort of thing, feels close to impossible. And yes, I think Bryson can put it together and has put it together, as we saw, but I mean, it's just difficult. Like, we're watching some highlights of him right now. Like, it's just difficult to do. And I think in the interview after round two, he said, like, I'm not feeling well. Yeah, and right. His tummy, tummy I, was, tummy aches. It was all the protein chips. <laughs> I, I'm also, like, I'm glad. Like, if Bryson would have won, then I think you would have had a bunch of dudes going home ordering 48-inch drivers just trying yeah. to get after it, right? And whatever. I mean, if you can find a way to win, that's fine. But he didn't this time, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
you talk about that. I mean, we're you talk about we're watching highlights right now, and the difference between you know what they were talking about. DJ is just his ability to like forget everything. I don't think Bryson has that. I think I mean we're we're watching him on uh, ten round four had a bogey on that hole, and and just every shot he's replaying the shot, and so it's like he just doesn't seem like a guy that can can flush that away and and move on you know which is which is tough as weird as it is to say about someone who's won a major championship so recently i do think he has some maturity to do on the golf course still yeah i agree with that man i think there's an element of i think the best guys out there there's like like joe was just saying there's an ability to to flush it forget it have a short memory and to somehow find a confidence that like in yourself that's saying, Hey, I'm the best golfer ever that I, I didn't see it right now. Well, I mean, let's, I mean, you want to talk about maturity. Let's look at tiger at 12 today. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he goes out there, puts up a 10 on 12 golden bell kind of had her way with him today. And then he just, played his balls off yeah. yeah i mean he went on a birdie run what birdie, birdie five, five of the next six of the last six holes and it's almost like you know i don't even think the 10 was like all that deserved like you know it, it, at least one of those shots at least should have stayed dry i thought but you know is what it is but you're right i mean there's a element of that that's like he you know he's been there he's done this time and time and time again yeah, I mean a seventy-six with a ten, right? Is something I can only dream of doing, <laughs> right? Crazy, but yeah, I mean that that hole was shocking to say the least. In his interview afterwards, he talked about like the wind direction on that hole, which we talked about in the last episode a little bit, where like it sits surrounded by trees, and so the wind can come from both directions very, very easily. And he said that. You know, the guys he was playing with, the wind was coming off the right. And then when he got up there, wind was coming off the left, and he didn't commit to it. Whatever is the case, he hit the shots. He made the score. Three balls in the water. He had a 10, right? But, yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. He comes off of that hole. He's like, all right, let's forget it, right? I probably hadn't had a 10 since junior golf. It was easily his highest score in I, – I, I believe it was his highest – single hole score on the PGA Tour ever. Wow. And he said, he said, let's figure it out. Let's go to the next hole and let's birdie five of the last six. I was trying to do the math here really quickly. If he would have even double bogeyed that hole, right? So give him five shots back. Yep. He would have finished six under, which would have been a tie for 19. Instead, he finishes one under tie for 38. So a top 20 finish, I think, for Tiger would have actually been a really good result considering he's not played that much coming into yeah, the tournament. absolutely. I mean, we saw him play really well on Thursday, as we did a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. But I think for a minute there, we were all thinking like, oh man, are we going to potentially see Tiger on the back nine on Sunday Yeah, have a really good chance at this? Yeah. But I think he just knows that golf course so, so well so much better than a lot of the other guys out there and it really makes a big difference for him let's talk about a couple other guys so rory poor rory i I say that 
I mean, the guy cannot win a green jacket, and I really think he still can. I mean, I, he finished fifth, right? Tied for fifth, and he shot 75 on Thursday, which on Thursday were the easiest conditions in Masters history. We saw the lowest average score in the history of the tournament. So Rory finishes, what is it, nine shots off the lead with a 75. Yeah. So, and tied for fifth. You turn around that round on Thursday, and he's a couple shots away today. And I think he's a guy that has kind of the firepower and the persona to maybe rattle DJ a little bit. What happened on Thursday, you know, it really, I think, sunk Roy's chances, no matter how well he played the next three days. Which is so wild, because everybody, you know, Twitter was blowing up. That this is these are Rory's conditions, you know, the rain and all of that, but it just didn't it just didn't pan out. What's interesting about after his Thursday round, he said, Hey, I think I just thought about it too much. Like I, he was like, I think I was taking it a little too seriously. And then I believe today he said of the next few rounds, he was like, Man, I really didn't think about it too much. I just went out there and played golf and try to have fun and it is funny how like i feel like those are the best rounds even like guys like us play oh yeah it's like, yeah if we go out there we take it too seriously like and we want to shoot a good score like most of the time we don't shoot a good score yeah I mean, <laughs> our best rounds right are when you have zero expectations we yeah. show up three minutes before tea time and jump out there and you know get loose for you know just a second before you get to play yeah the last guy i had on the list here uh was phil now i I made the call that I think Phil was going to miss the cut at the Masters, uh, which he wasn't even close to doing. But he had a really poor weekend and finished tied for 55th. I didn't see hardly any coverage of Phil on the weekend. Thanks to the incredible Masters app, you know, we could kind of watch every shot and go back and look at what he was doing. But he just made zero noise after his second round. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like you, I didn't really expect Phil to make the cut either. But where he finished up at was kind of roughly the same for, for me. I mean, I would have loved it if Lefty would have done something wild and made a little noise, but it just didn't didn't happen, I think. Pretty soon, Phil's just going to go beat everybody on the Champions Tour and just go do his thing. So, Yeah, I think I, the only shot I saw of Phil today was his – or the only hole I saw him play was his last hole on nine today, which he did birdie, but – I think he just was kind of out there, had nothing to lose. All right, so let's run through some stats trivia. So as we're looking at kind of the major statistical categories for this week, I'll shout out maybe three guys that we think would be leading every category, and then I'll call on both Caleb and Joe to select what they hope to believe would be the correct answer. So let's start with our favorite category, which is driving distance. Yeah. Caleb would usually win this one amongst us three, I believe. Hands down. Uh, yeah, I usually find the car path. <laughs> yeah, same. So top driving distance for the week. Your three options will be Rory, Cameron Champ, and Bryson DeChambeau. Caleb? I'm going to go with Rory on this one, actually. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to say Rory also. <clears throat> oh, who's the winner? Bryson. Really? Bryson leads the pack. I know he hit a lot of irons. He hit a lot of woods. Like Can we delete this one from the pod? I feel like we're all done. Well, is that, is that, too late. <laughs> well, is that like, but does that include like fairways hit? No. So this is average, average uh, distance. Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the specifics here. It looks like average distance on par fours and par fives. So, Bryson led with 323 yards. Then you had Dylan Fratelli 315, kind of surprising. Yeah. Then you've got Rory 314, Cameron Champ 308, Tony Finau 307, DJ 306. Okay. Really. So that kind of rounds out your top six, and then John Rom right behind DJ at 306. Actually, shout out to the amateur Andy Ogletree. Okay, come coming in right behind John Rom at three hundred three. Jeez, really? I feel like our boy's got a bright future yeah. ahead of him. Probably, huh? definitely, yeah. most definitely. Yeah, I'm excited to watch him play. Not play to more. go, not to go too da- too far down a rabbit hole here, but he answered some questions pretty solidly there on the the green jacket deal there with Tiger at the end, where I just I just feel like. The, the way he was talking and everything, I don't know. I, I, I like that guy. Well, well groomed. Well, agreed. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been trained for the media sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he is a really really good player from a long line of good players to come out of Georgia Tech. Yeah, obviously Bobby Jones, Matt Kuchar. Uh, these are amateur champions, right? And now you have uh, Andy Ogletree. And then the guy who just won it this past year at uh, Bandon Dunes, Tyler Strafacci. Mm-hmm. So you've got four guys from Georgia Tech who have won the amateur before. Uh, but yeah, Andy Ogletree, uh, I mean, yeah, not to go too down too down a large rabbit hole here, but he had to go off number 10 yep. on his first round at the Masters with Tiger. Yeah, with Tiger. I would have been yeah. rattled. Yeah, which he... That was like a literally a dream. Yes. But I love that he mentioned Tiger came up to him on the putting green and was like, hey, man, let's go play. Let's go do this. Which I think that's new era Tiger. I don't think Tiger would have done that a handful of years ago. That, like, excites hey, We me. all love yeah. new era Tiger, baby. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, yeah. I mean, what's not to love yeah. about it? All right, let's move to driving accuracy. So driving accuracy, fairways calculated, obviously. Your three choices will be Webb Simpson, Sung J M, and Bernhard Longer. Accuracy? Mm-hmm. Average percentage of fairways hit. I'm going Sung J. I'm, I'm going with the OG, Bernard Longer on this one, baby. <laughs> Longer. Oh. Come on. 87.5%. Wow. And off note, not only was he hitting fairways, but he was putting like a madman, too. Yeah. I mean, the longevity of his career... It's unbelievable. Unmatched, I think. Yeah, it's unreal. He's an incredible player. What was his average distance? That's a good question. We'll have to, we'll have to look it up. <laughs> probably longer than ours. Probably, he's probably twice our age. Yeah, probably <laughs> like 270, I would imagine, somewhere in that area. But yeah, so you had Bernhard, 87.5%. Ian Poulter, right behind him at 85 Corey Connors, 84. Webb Simpson, 84. Mike Weir, 82. Hmm. Ches Reeve, 82. Sungjae, 82 as well. 
There's a lot of 82s kind of bunched up there. Yeah. It's way off. Hey, that's why we do this. <laughs> so let's move to greens and regulation. Okay. A stat that I would be at the very bottom of. Oh, hush. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> of the three of us, let's, I mean, come on. <laughs> So, here are your top three choices. Shane Lowry, Justin Thomas, and Dustin Johnson. I mean, I feel like DJ is the safe bet here, but it almost seems too obvious. For, you know, I'll stick with DJ. For competitive sake, I'll I'll go JT just to to see what the stats are, because I don't know. But make us feel stupid. But come on, make us feel stupid. Dustin Johnson. 83%. 83%. Okay. Seems good. 83%. Number one. That's that's an incredible stat. Yeah. What was JT? JT, 75%. Okay. So you had DJ1, 83. Abe Answer, 77. Yeah. Kevin Na, 77. Louis Oosthuizen, 76. Mark Leishman, 76. And hmm. JT, 75. Okay. Ooh. I mean, again, we talked about it earlier. Recipe for success, fairways and greens for DJ. Right. It put him in a really, really good position. Two more categories here. So let's jump into putting. So average strokes per hole. Your top three choices are John Rahm, Sung J M, and Rory McIlroy. I mean, I don't think I was particularly impressed with Rahm's putting this week. Uh... So I, I I'm gonna go with Sanjay. Yeah, I mean I, I'm kind of on the same page. I mean he had to do something right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of on the same page with Joe here on this one. I mean, yeah, what are, what are, what are the numbers? I feel like it's hard to go against that one a little bit. Yeah, Sanjay's right. One point four strokes per hole. Okay. I mean Sanjay is a really really good player. I think we're gonna see him for a while. Agree. I mean so methodical. Mm-hmm. I mean his backswing is like so calculated. I mean, it's butter. Like, he, it's so smooth, and yeah. it's, like, very, very consistent. Yeah. He he also hit a couple chips on 15 and 16 today that were, like, if you give an average golfer 100 golf balls from those locations, they maybe hit one Dude, that's even close to I could pits. not agree more. On some of those chips, I imagine myself in his shoes there with a bucket of balls beside that. And just thinking, there's no way I could do what he just did. Right. Yep. But maybe the most fun category for the last here, birdies. Total birdies for the week. Your three options will be Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, and Justin Thomas. Well, I would like to go. I'd like to go Patrick Reed, but the way that. I think that the the same Nike tailor that was doing Brooks Kepka's outfits were doing Patrick Reed's a little too tight around the belly, <laughs> and so I'm I'm gonna have to go with DJ on this one. I I know that he wasn't. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm gonna go with DJ here. I'm I don't think Justine takes anything but birdies. I think like <laughs> if he's not hitting birdies, Justine's not letting him in the house. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go Patrick Reed here. Okay, all right. I've heard similar so. <laughs> Patrick Reed was the correct answer. Boom! 24 birdies this week. Right. Sung Jay actually had 24 birdies as well. 
Didn't throw. Wow. I didn't throw Something. him in those three. Good for him. But they both had 24 birdies. Justin Thomas, Sebastian Munoz, 21. Cameron Smith, DJ, Justin Rose with 20. Hmm. Man, okay. Uh, I'm on Masters.com. They do not have a bogeys stats, but I'm interested to like pair that up with Patrick Reed's bogeys for the week because obviously if you're making a lot of birdies, of you expect to be at the top, but he was tied for 10th. Again, Patrick Reed's one of those guys that I think we would rather not see win, if we're being honest. But he's a really good golfer. <laughs> can't can't lie about that. That's very true. Well, boys, we've we've talked a lot of Masters. This has been great. We've talked about the tournament in general. We've talked about a handful of guys. We've talked some good stats. It's time to to wrap this thing up. What is our one big takeaway from this tournament? Joe, I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's a lot of things. I think one of the things that I'm most stoked about as a takeaway kind of for this year heading into the, uh, the 2021 Masters is just, you know, getting to see Lee Elder as an honorary starter um, you know, as the first African American player back in 1975, so getting to join Nicholas and uh, and and player as an honorary starter. Yeah, agreed. That was fantastic, and of course, we've seen Arnold Palmer in that spot in the past, and I think Lee Elder is a, is a very uh, exciting guy to add to that those starting that starting pairing, if you will. Yeah, I, I think that's great. I love that. I think for, for me, my big takeaway would be that DJ has a green jacket now. I mean, the guy has been one of the best golfers in the world for a, a while now. And now he's he's got a second major locked up. And not only is it a second major, but it's a green jacket. And I think that is a big, big step for him. Completely agree. Yeah, I mean, I think in... In an interesting year, to say the least, to have the Masters was a welcome distraction. As always, they do a fantastic job of putting on such a incredible tournament. I will say, I really miss the fans at this tournament. In a lot of sporting events, it doesn't necessarily feel like I really miss them being there. But having been to the Masters a handful of times for those that may not know there's no technology that's allowed and so you have no idea what's going on within the tournament other than being near a scoreboard and so the only way that you can kind of decipher maybe who's making a birdie is by hearing the crowd roaring hmm. and what I think may be a little bit interesting from this year's tournament is that there wasn't any of that for the golfers, which I think is maybe just as impactful sometimes for the golfers as it is the fans. On Saturday, I felt like it lacked that extra pop, mm. right? Like that extra, like, yeah, this sure. is the Masters. Yeah. Right? Like, we're in the middle of a guy's backswing on hole eight, and we're hearing a yell from hole 12. Yeah. What happened down there? And then they move the camera down there, and they say, hey, just a moment ago, this was so-and-so, yeah. right? And so I, I don't necessarily believe that that changes the outlook of the tournament. 
but I do believe that that would have added maybe some more excitement to what we've seen in, in past years. Yeah, I agree. But again, with that being said, the Masters in any month, whether it be November or April, is an absolute treat. Yeah. And I'm excited that we got to watch that uh, and talk about it. So, again, for the High Handicappers Club, Episode 3, Masters Recap, Joe, Caleb, thanks for joining, and we'll catch you next time. Despite the challenge All you gotta do is leave it better than you found it It's gonna get difficult to stand but hold your balance I just say whatever cause there is no way you're round Everyone falls down sometimes But you just gotta know it'll all be fine It's okay Good.